before. Drive to Survive Season 5. This is a documentary series on Netflix about Formula One, which if you're not familiar is the most advanced, most expensive form of motorsport in the world. These cars cost millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to make and maintain throughout the season. They're not necessarily the fastest in a straight line, but they go around corners really quickly. For that reason, when it comes to going a lap around a track, nothing is faster than a Formula One car. I have been a fan of Formula One since 2011, so I've been watching the sport since long before this TV show was around. A few years ago, the company Liberty Media took over Formula One. They are an American company, and it's been a relatively unpopular sport in the USA, especially compared to things like NASCAR and IndyCar. So they are looking to get into this American market, which is huge potential. It's done great things for the popularity of the sport. Having more fans can support it in so many ways. And I think it can really help increase the development, increase the visibility of it. If there are issues with the sport, more people are going to talk about it and we can change those things to make the sport better. However, I, like most Formula One fans, do not like when there's a race, especially races like Miami and Las Vegas. I know it's just going to be chock full of celebrities and influencers who have no idea about the sport and are just there for the clout. If they want to go to the race, maybe they'll learn about it. Maybe they'll become a fan. That's fine. But... The interviews keep going to all these celebrities. All these celebrities get to walk the grid with people, whatever. That's a, that's for another story. In terms of this show, there's been a lot of criticism, especially last season, on how they present some things, over-dramatizing things, making up rivalries that didn't really exist. But with this season, I think it did a lot better at presenting things the way they happened and the way the audience feels like they really went down. In fact, in the first episode, they were interviewing Toto Wolf, the Mercedes team principal, and he said this show is more like Top Gun than it is like documentary. So they addressed it right from the start. And I think this season was much more accurate. It's great if you're a fan of the sport to relive the excitement of the previous season. To remember some things that happened. Also to learn a bit behind the scenes that you might not have seen just from watching the race weekends. Some of the discussions behind contract negotiations. Drivers switching sides. Team principals switching teams. There are definitely some things that were left out from last season that I wish they would have covered, but it's only 10 episodes that are about 30 to 45 minutes each, so they're definitely not going to cover everything from a year of Formula 1. 7 out of 10 on Season 5, whether you're new to the sport or a long-time fan, you'll like the show. Normally, I would give you a spoiler warning at this point, but this is a docu-series about a sport from last year's season, so if you're new to F1... Please, I encourage you to keep listening and hear me talk about some of this stuff about Formula One that I enjoy, that many people enjoy, and hopefully you can enjoy the sport as well. Because as of recording this, the new season is starting. They're having the practice sessions today, and qualifying is tomorrow on Saturday. I'm recording on Friday, and the first race is on Sunday, March 5 in Bahrain. So Drive to Survive Season 5 was about the 2022 F1 season. The seasons typically run from March until November. And it's a good look at the year in review before the new season of the sport starts. As I mentioned in the spoiler-free section, there are a lot of things people criticized about the show, especially in the previous seasons. I think it did a lot better job this season at addressing those at the beginning and showing that they acknowledge these complaints that fans have and 
the show as a whole doing a lot better at representing the sport and the people. For example, last season they would show some teammates and portray them almost as bitter enemies and rivals when in reality what we see from watching the race weekends, what we see on social media, from press releases and just by following the drivers on social media and stuff, a lot of these people are really great friends. Yes, especially with your teammate, you're always competing to be the better one of the two drivers in the team because you have the same car. It's a direct comparison, whereas other teams have different cars. You know, the the drivers at the Williams team are not going to do as good as the drivers in the Red Bull team because Red Bull is the best team of last season. They won the Constructor and the Drivers' Championship with many races to spare, and Williams has been at the bottom for years. So, you know, you can't look at a Williams driver and say, without a doubt, he's worse than the Red Bull driver. It could just be the car. There are many other things that you'll learn to appreciate when you start watching the sport. And you can kind of tell how one driver is good and one driver is not so good. But that's the point I'm making, right? So, of course, there's drama between drivers in the same team because they're trying to compete in the same machinery and show that they can hang or they can do better than the other driver. But a lot of teammates are really, really good friends. And uh, we did see some of that in this season of Drive to Survive, the episode with Yuki Tsunoda, the Japanese driver for Alpha Tauri. He and Pierre Gasly, his teammate, were great friends. Pierre Gasly, who's now moving on to the Alpine team. But those two were really, really good friends. They were like brothers. And Formula One fans really like to see their relationship. So I think we really appreciated seeing that on the show. As well as knowing that Yuki Tsunoda doesn't get a lot of attention from the media normally during the race weekends. He's, you know, he's not the best driver out there. He hasn't done anything super remarkable yet. He's still a good driver, but he's had some problems, uh, which they've mentioned in this season and the episode that really highlights him. So I think a lot of people really appreciate that. And... It's nice to see some of these lesser-known drivers get more attention from this TV series. When the TV broadcasts, when you're watching the race, they're going to focus on the race winners, the popular drivers, a lot more than the other ones. There were some drivers notably absent from this season. Nicholas Latifi did not feature at all. Uh, Valtteri Bottas did not feature at all. His teammate Joe Guanyu featured just a little bit for one episode. Uh, oh yeah, the other Williams teammate as well, Alex Albon, who is Nicholas Latifi's teammate. He he was barely in it. I don't even know if they had like an interview with him in the series. He appeared. You saw him on screen a few times, but you know he didn't. You heard his voice a couple times, but they didn't really focus on him that much. They've done more intense pieces on him in previous seasons though so he's been covered Valtteri Bottas though he was only in it for like I saw like one scene with him where he was like the coolest looking dude in the room with his mullet and mustache and his hat <laughs> and he didn't even say anything other people were talking in front of him he was just there for like two seconds I was like damn why don't we see more of him I know some drivers don't agree to be in the series Max Verstappen the current defending world champion the world champion from the last two seasons was not in the last season of drive to survive which was covering the 2021 f1 season which is when he won his first championship and that was a bitter rivalry between max verstappen and lewis hamilton 
and Max did not want to be in the show when they were recording that year. So they didn't have any interviews with him. They didn't have any footage directly talking to him. They showed him on screen, of course, because they can use all the footage from the Formula One weekend, but they didn't have any personal stuff with him. So anytime they wanted to talk about Max's feelings or emotions or anything like that, they would just like have Christian Horner, the Red Bull team principal, and his wife, Jerry, like walking around their backyard talking about Max, <laughs> which just seems really weird. But that's how they had to cover his side of it because he didn't want to be in the show because of the same complaints that many fans have had that the show is so inaccurate in its portrayals of people. So he had felt that from the previous seasons and he sat that one out. But he was back for this season of the show. So he did interviews with Netflix during the 2022 F1 season. And this season was such an easy victory for him to become world champion. The first three races, it looked like it was all going to be for Ferrari and Charles Leclerc. Red Bull, Max Verstappen had two failures. He retired the car twice in the first three races. So it looked like Charles Leclerc and Ferrari were going to run away with it. But... That didn't happen, of course, after that. Their issues were mostly solved. And aside from a couple races where Max would get some damage and fall down the order, he won almost every race available, or he was second or third place in the, the few races that he didn't win where he had a, a car that was in full health. So it wasn't as dramatic of a season this year. Some of the midfield was dramatic. Of course, they did still show some of the fallout of Mercedes reacting to that 2021 season finale. For those who don't know, the race had Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton even on points going into the final race of the season. So it's 25 points for a win, 18 for second place, 15 for third place. It goes down to the first 10 places get points decreasing, right? So a win is worth so much more than second and third place, right? And after it was 21 or 22 races, they were even on points going into the last race of the season, which is incredible. It's astonishing. This has only ever happened with drivers being even on points once before in the history of the sport. And back then, they didn't award points to as many drivers. The points were much smaller in amount, and there weren't as many races. So for them to be even on points after this many races with that many points available is incredible. They were even with like uh, 200-something points each or 180 points each. I don't remember exactly. But the previous season where two drivers went into the final race even on points, it was like... 60 or 70 something points each so it's a big difference and in the final laps of the race with like 10 laps left to go there was a crash which means they bring out a safety car so all the cars follow behind the safety car which drives slower which gives people who work at the track a chance to clean up the damage and fix any barriers if they need to for safety and then they'll restart the race. But these laps still count for the race. The race is a set number of laps, and the lap count is still ticking while they're behind the safety car. Then there's also cars that have been lapped by the race leaders because they're going so much quicker that are mixed in with the group. So the order might be 1 through 20, right? 
but the numbers 17, 18, 19, 20 are mixed in somewhere amongst the other drivers because they've been lapped. So Lewis Hamilton was in first at this point. He was handily winning the race. He was so much faster than Max during this race. And Max came close at a couple points just due to the strategy and when they did pit stops. But he never really had the pace to keep up with him. And then this happens, which gives teams a chance to get a pit stop in while they're behind the safety car. So they're moving slower, so they lose less time. Max stopped for new tires. Lewis did not, because if he did... He could have ended up behind Max just because, you know, you stop and put new tires on, you're going to be driving slower. So if, if you've heard all this before, I'm sorry for repeating it if you're a good fan of F1. But if you're new to the sport, that's why I'm trying to explain this. But Max had fresh tires, and he, he had about four or five lapped cars between him and Lewis Hamilton in first. Lewis did not go into the pits. He had old tires because they didn't want him to go into the pits and lose that position. Now, normally, when there's a safety car, the race director will allow all the lapped cars to unlap themselves before they restart the race and the safety car pulls in and lets the cars go out at full speed again. For this race, first they said they weren't going to unlap the cars because there were so few laps left, and it takes a while for the lapped cars to get around and catch up to the back. But after a couple minutes, they said lap cars numbers blah 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 they named the number of the cars there were like four or five of them all the cars between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen can unlap themselves so they went and did that but there were also lapped cars further back in the midfield that were messing with other people's races as well they weren't competing to win but the position that your team finishes in the championship is worth tens of millions of dollars of prize money and that goes into developing the car for next season so these races are still really important to these people. And then they had this happen where all the lapped cars between the first two fighting for the championship could unlap themselves, but the other cars couldn't. So really the only beneficiary was Max Verstappen, who was there in second place. Now, I don't have a problem with that. They did what they should have done. They didn't wait the full time for all those drivers to get around, but there were so few laps left when they went racing, they had one lap at full speed left in the race, right? So they're not going to catch up to the lap cars in one lap. It's going to take a bit longer. So it doesn't matter that they didn't wait for them to go all the way around and didn't finish under the safety car. The problem is not that Mercedes suffered. Of course, Mercedes did suffer from it because Max ended up winning. He had the fresher tires. He was going to be faster at the restart, and he ended up winning that championship. Mercedes still won the Constructors' Championship, but by the way they reacted to everything, it seems like they didn't give a shit. They just cared about Lewis. And that happened, and the people in the back still had the lapped cars with them. So Mercedes is complaining that you did this to give Max the championship and ruin things for us. I don't think that's the case. They did what they were supposed to. They did mess up. But where they messed up wasn't with Mercedes and Red Bull. Max would have won that championship because the team picked a better strategy and chose to change his tires going into that safety car period. Where the, the race director messed up was not unlapping all the lapped cars because then that's unfair for the people in the midfield who are fighting for points that could be worth millions and millions of dollars that still have these lap cars in between them ruining their race. So they should have unlapped everybody. 
So that was the most dramatic thing that's happened in Formula One in years. Years. I mean, Mercedes has won the championship so easily because they've been so far ahead of everybody else for the previous six seasons. So this was the first time they had a real challenge. And then they had to go out of their way to make up different stories to make things more dramatic. Like, that's what some of the people were complaining about. But this season, I think, was much better. Of course, the season itself wasn't as dramatic. Max Verstappen and Red Bull won it so easily. They were so far ahead of everybody else. But this season was was a big shakeup on the regulations. Mercedes have been dominating since the last time they really shook up the regulations. But this is the biggest change that Formula 1 might have ever had in history to try to make the cars better designed to stay close to one another so that they can have more overtaking and make it more exciting. And it's worked out pretty well. But when you have a major redesign like this, there's often one or two teams that find some special thing they can do on their car that puts them far ahead of everybody else. And Red Bull seems to have done that. I don't think there's any one thing they did that really made them have something special compared to other people. Sometimes there's a new invention that benefits one team greatly. I don't think this was a case of one invention. I think this was a case of Red Bull getting everything right. And Ferrari was pretty quick as well, but they had some terrible strategy throughout the season that really ruined some of their races and then some car trouble later on. So when Red Bull fixed their car trouble, Ferrari started experiencing some of their own and that kind of prevented them from going any further. But this show, this season did a good job of portraying that. And I appreciate that. I think fans of F1 will appreciate that. I think the overall consensus is that this season was better than the previous seasons. Even without a, a championship battle that was exciting as it was in 2021. I think people are happy that it's more respectful to the authenticity of the drivers and their emotions and just the sport in general. And I think it was still equally as exciting and enjoyable to watch. Of course, nothing's really as exciting as watching the race itself. Not every race is exciting. Sometimes it's boring. Just like any sports match, you can get boring games. So this season, however, with these new designed cars, I think they do follow each other better. They do make the racing more exciting in general. And I think to relive that experience, watching Drive to Survive is always fun to see these cars in brilliant, high-definition, slow-motion, cinematographic, cinemato cinematographic, really cool camera shots, <laughs> really good imagery and cinematography to, to really enhance the details of the car. And get these interviews with the team principals and the drivers to get some of their thoughts that you might not normally get just from watching the race weekends. I think it's really enjoyable to watch. And it gets you excited because it comes out right before the new season starts. One other complaint I did have about this show, of course, Valtteri Bottas didn't feature much. Sebastian Vettel was in it a little bit. He featured, of course, he announced his retirement. He's a four-time world champion. He's a fan favorite. People love him. He's such a nice guy. I don't really know anybody who dislikes this guy. He's such a popular driver. And... He announced his retirement, but then at the end of the season of Drive to Survive, they show Daniel Ricciardo, who's also really, really well-liked. A lot of people really like him. He's a great personality. He's a very fun, happy guy, and people like to see him succeed. He's had some struggles the last couple of years, and people want to see him do well again. 
but he doesn't have a driving seat for next year. So they did a nice little piece showing some of his highlights from the Drive to Survive series, from his career over the past few years, and they made him look really good and remember him. And I like that. I appreciate that. But they didn't do that for Sebastian Vettel, the four-time champion who's retiring now at the age of like 35 or so. I don't know exactly, but like why, why didn't they show him in that same light? I wish they did. And they didn't. Maybe he didn't agree to be in the show or he didn't want them to do it or something. I don't know. But I wish we would have seen something like that, especially considering they gave a nice send-off to Daniel Ricciardo, who's going to be a reserve driver for Red Bull this season. And they didn't give that same montage send-off to the four-time world champion. So that's a complaint there. But other than that, I think if you're a fan of the sport, more than enough people have been making their own montages. They've respected him enough on the weekend race broadcast. And we've seen so much respecting him anyway. The show gives a chance to give some of the more unknown things a, a time to shine. So, you know, maybe that's the reason they did it. Because Sebastian Vettel's already been covered like crazy in the news. But I still think it could be nice for new fans to the sport to see this and learn to appreciate the things in the history of the sport, which they might not have understood just from not seeing Sebastian Vettel's contributions in the way that they showed Daniel Ricciardo's. So that's pretty much all I have to say for this series. If you're new to the sport or the series, I highly recommend you watch more of it. The racing is about to start. I'm recording this on the 3rd of March. The first race is Sunday on the 5th of March in Bahrain. I'm going to do my best to get this podcast out before then. So if you're listening to it, you can look forward to that. And Please feel free to watch and enjoy the sport. It may take a moment to understand how it works, but once you do, I think you can really appreciate the excitement of it and why it's becoming so much more popular thanks to this series. If you've watched the series and you've been a fan of F1 for a long time, thank you so much for listening for this long when I've just been (laughs) restating so many things that you probably already knew. So thank you so much for listening. Please Like, share, subscribe this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to follow my account on Spotify if that's where you're listening. On Spotify, there should also be a question, something like, "How? what did you think of this episode? Please feel free to respond to that with any constructive criticism or just praise or anything like that that I can use to improve my podcast. Please feel free to follow me on TikTok as well, where I post the spoiler-free sections first. That'll be at Woody Ling, W-O-O-D-Y-L-I-N-G, or at What Woody's Watching, spelled the same way, without an apostrophe, as the title of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and of course, keep loving movies and TV and sports. Goodbye. Goodbye.